Hello and welcome to the iGeeks blog show. I'm your host Harshanki and in today's episode we're going to be talking about how Apple has transitioned into a service-based company from a product-based company in just the last decade. If you're not connected with us on our social media channels, the links are added in the description below. And if you want to connect with me, you can just hit me up on Instagram or Shanky with an extra R. Moving on to today's episode. So you guys must have noticed how after Tim Cook took over, a lot of things were focused on making Apple a service-based company rather than just focusing on product revolutions and taking it ahead that way. In recent years, iPhone sales have begun to plateau and now Apple's service business, which encompasses everything from the App Store to licensing deals, is being positioned as its next big frontier for the revenue growth. More than ever, Apple wants to sell people constant ongoing subscriptions for things that they can do on their iPhones. Now, this is a revenue model a lot of service-based agencies adopt that is focusing on recurring revenue to increase their monthly recurring revenue. You know, have a fixed amount of money coming in every month rather than relying on one big-time sale. Most businesses, even your business, if you're into service-based business or are a freelancer, would be relying to offer some kind of service on a subscription basis, right? Guess what? Apple hardcore focused uh, on developing services as a model since 2015, and they have generated a revenue of 86 billion freaking dollars in just service. It doesn't appear like a hardware company now, does it? Apple has reportedly begun working on a more extensive Apple as a service offer in which users can purchase its products for a monthly fee. Apple has already quietly commenced offering equipment leasing to business via a trusted partner. While nothing has been announced yet, reports suggest that option may be introduced later this year or early 2023. There are challenges, of course, but the benefits in terms of incremental income, particularly in a business environment characterized by growing risk, make sense for any company, not just a trillion-dollar consumer electronics firms. Migrating to a consumption-based licensing structure can be risky both operationally and financially, but buyers and subscribers These days have a mindset change also because they want something. You know how we are always attracted to the AMI model where you have to pay a fixed amount even if you're buying a heavy product? Or the pay later. Recently, the pay later model has kicked up so good. McKinsey once claimed 82% of businesses prefer to subscribe to software than purchase a perpetual license. Now, why can't this be extended to hardware too? After all, many business users lease vehicles. So why not lease the Mac? Will you buy an Apple car, share it, or maybe do both? See, the concept of Apple as a service isn't new. The iPhone upgrade program means the company already provides some of its products on a subscription basis. Join that scheme, pass a credit check, and you can have a new iPhone every year for a monthly fee. Of course, the credit check is a limitation to consumers and poses an operational risk to companies, making a transition to as-a-service models. The need to access credit Worthiness means many potential iPhone customers are already kept from the plan because traditional systems see them as high risk. Apple has picked up on lots of information concerning the working limitations of such checks in the last couple of years, thanks to Apple Card. Most recently, the company invested in UK credit checking startup Credit Kudos. This is being reported a strategic acquisition to support Apple Pay and rumored uh, moves into the BNPL market. However, the purchase could also reflect Apple's desire to transition more of its business to a subscription-based income. 
Now, this is because the charm of the system is such that it can extend credit to otherwise overlooked sections of the population. See, that's an important consideration for mass market brands seeking growth and hardware-based subscription income, particularly in emerging markets. It's plausible to think that maybe part of what Apple CEO Tim Cook was alluding to when he said Apple Card has a great runaway ahead. After all, you can extend credit for payments, you can extend credit for subscriptions. So what's the rush? Amongst other risks, the current business environment sees the decline of globalism, conflict, looming food shortages, environmental catastrophe, and the pandemic. These are other solid economic reasons access-based ownership models make sense. Here are three. Making hardware available at a monthly cost makes this accessible to a wider group of customers, particularly as incomes face the likelihood of a second recession in a decade. Access-based models may reduce overall cost of ownership as maintenance may be included within the fee, reducing the bill shock. The need to protect what's left of the environment is driving product manufacturers to work towards closed-loop manufacturing systems, in which effective recycling is the key. The last argument reflects another deep drive at the company, being carbon neutral by 2030, saving the planet one lease at a time. See how closed-loop manufacturing is potentially uh, critical to future hardware manufacturing. We know that Apple is working to develop its own closed-loop manufacturing system for which end-of-life product recycling is essential. Those rare earths, metals and other precious metals used in your tech products need to be reused, not just abandoned in a landfill. Announcing plans to a new cutting-edge aluminum recycling process to make the iPhone SE, Lisa Jackson, Apple's Vice President of Environment, Policy and Social Initiatives, recently said that the company only seeks to use recyclable and renewable materials across our products to conserve Earth's finite resources. So Apple as a service model can potentially save the planet. Well, certainly not alone, but it its many moves to transition its business for a post-pandemic reality, characterized by urgent need for climate action. Sounds like an alarm suggesting every enterprise must seek and find resilient new business models if you want to survive in a post-consumerist economy. And not just that, right? Apple as a company is making billions of dollars selling services. This new direction is going to be thrust into something revolutionary a decade from now. Remember when Tim Cook said that Apple is on track to double its services business from 2016 to 2020? Not just that, last quarter saw more than 27% increase in services. Now that's a substantial figure compared to Apple's other business segments. Because services already brings in more per quarter than the Mac, that is $7.4 billion, that's an iPad, $6.7 billion, or the collected wearables, that is a home and accessories group of products, to 7.3-ish billion dollars. And that balance will likely only continue to shift as Apple starts to push services harder and introduces new services to which people can subscribe. See, simply put, you need to think of this model as uh, when you're buying your car or a vehicle because that is a one-time cost and a one-time uh, benefit to the company. But it's the fuel that keeps bringing them constant recurring revenue, right? Now, this is what Apple is trying to do with their subscription model or selling services model. So what's already beginning in all the services revenue and how healthy are these businesses? See, Apple doesn't break down how much money individual services making. So there's a large extent to which we can't just say. 
But we know what businesses the segment is composed of, how much they charge, and whether they are any good. With the service business entering a new era, here's an overview of what it stands today. Apple Music. Apple Music is arguably the highest profile entry in Apple's new service business due to it being one of the most modern. It was launched in 2015 when Apple rebranded Beats Music and one of the most interesting programs out there. The music subscription service has 56 million customers uh which was last known to public in December 2018. Spotify had 96 million paid customers in Feb 2019. You see how fast it is beating the competition. Now this is what uh, late 2018 early 2019 we're talking about and we are at the end of 2022. It must have quadrupled its number by now. We need to get those numbers public. It's unclear how many of Apple's music customers are actively paying. The company offers free trials and its services also come bundled with some uh, Verizon uh, wireless plans for the US customers. Assuming all customers are paying ten dollars per month with family plans, annual discounts, bundles, and student deals, they're not. But these are ballpark numbers here. That puts Apple Music at a highball estimate of six point seven billion dollars per year brought in. The second subscription as a service model is the incredible App Store. Probably one of the biggest contributors to Apple revenue is the massively popular App Store, which was estimated as of May 2018 to have seen upward of 170 billion downloads in its 10-year history. Most of those are in straight-up paid purchases. A massive percentage of App Store's revenue comes from in-app purchases and free-to-play games like Fortnite and Candy Crush and subscription apps like Netflix, Tinder, and YouTube. Every single one of the top 50 grossing apps on the platform is either a major service that relies on subscription fees or a free to play game. Even the most popular paid apps like Minecraft or FaceTune just don't make the same kind of money as free apps that rely on in-app purchases. Even with in-app purchases to help bolster their numbers. And Apple takes a cut of each of those in-app purchases and subscriptions. Who doesn't remember Apple versus Epic Games here? Yeah? If you don't, we have two or three episodes covered on that. Just check the list, and you'll find them. Those free apps have resulted in some pretty big sales. Apple has gotten more than hundred billion dollars to developers from the App Store. Now, if you work off Apple's seventy thirty revenue split, this is what if they have paid hundred billion dollars to developers, which means they have probably made a sale of hundred and forty two billion dollars, with forty two billion of that going to Apple in the decade. Just for running the App Store. That said, Apple has recently come under the fire and changed the policies, so the revenue has decreased after that. But still, they are getting a lot of revenue from it. iCloud is another subscription-based model that is bringing in a hell lot of revenue. Was bringing in a hell lot of revenue. Theoretically, every single Apple customer who owns an iPhone, iPad, or Mac is an iCloud user, because Apple gives paltry five GB of storage to all customers for free. But the revenue, the important part here is the paid plans, which gives users an additional storage for a monthly cost. Now, iCloud may not have the same brand recognition as Dropbox or Google Drive when it comes to storing or sharing files, but it does have some big advantages in getting users to subscribe. It's the only way to backup iPhones and iPads to the internet, and the storage pool counts towards nearly everything on your iPhone. Take too many pictures, for example, and your phone stops backing up. Which creates a real incentive to shell out more than scant 5 GB Apple gives for free. Well, Apple seems to know that too, right? 
the cheapest iCloud plan is just 99 cents per month for 50 GB of storage, making it an easy sell to users. But that $12 per customer per year starts to add up across the billion plus iOS devices in the world, even if only a fraction of them subscribe. A 2016 interview with Apple SVP EDQ revealed that at that time, there were 782 iCloud users. Apple has never broken out publicly how many of the paid subscribers it has. But even if 10% of the 782 million iCloud users are paid subscribers, the revenue here is incredible. The next is iTunes. Now, iTunes isn't as famous as it was before with streaming services like Spotify, Apple Music, Netflix and Hulu. People just tend to buy fewer songs, TV shows and movies nowadays. But it still does bring in money, I guess from the boomers. Just like iTunes, there's still Apple Books, which is basically iTunes but for books. Apple Books has the issue of Amazon and its massive Kindle library as competition, which Apple famously uh, tried to solve in price-fixing scandal that cost the company $450 million. Even so, it is one of the biggest e-book stores around and an easy source of service revenue. Being an avid book reader, I have never once purchased an e-book because there are always replicas available on the internet, right? You just scrape the internet and download it. Or should I not be accepting this in public? Yeah, moving on to the next subscription service that Apple has to offer is Apple Pay. Apple Pay is Apple's overarching payment system. It includes using Apple Pay to make purchases on websites and inside apps, conducting contactless payments at retail stores, sending money using Apple's Pay Cash. Apple says it doesn't charge users, merchants or developers to use Apple Pay, but reports indicate that it still receives a small fee from uh, each transaction. That cut appears to come from the bank that issued the card with Apple Pay being used. 2014, these fees were 15% from uh, 0.15% for US banks, that is 15 cents on every $100 spent. Last quarter, Apple said that there were 1.8 billion Apple Pay transactions, more than twice as many as the same quarter a year earlier. We don't know how much those transactions are worth, and it's likely that a vast majority of them happened outside the US, in countries where mobile payments are more popular, such as us, Indians. But we don't have Apple Pay in India. Just to give you a clarity, See, we don't have Apple Pay, right? But we have uh, these Phone Pay and Google Pay and Paytm and whatnot, and we have been using them. And recently, Paytm started adding a two rupee uh, transaction fees on every transaction, right? How many times a day do you use your digital wallets? I use it more than ten times a day, right? I mean, I'm I'm using as if uh, Google itself is paying for all my expenses. So imagine, just imagine the revenue that Apple must be getting from the transactions being carried out on Apple Pay. Mind blowing, right? Apple Care. Apple Care Plus is Apple's extended warranty service. It lets customers get longer and more comprehensive warranties for the other Apple products. Usually with things like uh, discounted screen or device replacements, depending on the devices. Apple Care Plus is also included as part of a monthly cost of Apple's iPhone upgrade program, like many of the other Apple services. The company hasn't said how many users opt to buy the extended uh, this thingy. Now, licensing is also another revenue-bringing thing for Apple. Now, this isn't quite a consumer-facing service like everything else on this list, but it is a big business nevertheless. Apple sends uh, licenses to companies to get their virtual built into iOS, like how Google is the default search engine or the Weather Channel provides weather data. 
That kind of front row real estate on all of Apple's devices is worth a lot and provides a big chunk of Apple's service revenue. Licensing agreements are a particularly opaque area of Apple's business. The last clear numbers we have are from 2014, where court documents reveal that Google paid Apple one freaking billion dollars to stay the default search bar on iOS as part of company's revenue sharing agreement. But recent estimates from a lot of analysts have put Apple's fee roughly nine billion dollars, a number. If it's true, would make it one of the biggest revenue ever generated from Apple's entire service group. Now, this is where things get weird. As of its recent quarter, Apple now takes part of the sale price of every iPhone, iPad, and Mac, and converts it into money for services, which it then spreads out across multiple quarters. Basically, Apple counts free services like Maps, Siri, and parts of iCloud like iMessage, and considers them to be built into the cost of devices. It's a meaningful shift too. When Apple started factoring in payments for these free services, its total service revenue for quarter one, 2018, jumped 7.7 percent from its originally reported 8.47 billion to 9.13 billion. So even if you're purchasing hardware from Apple, you are giving them money for the services. Little tricky, right? But yeah, it does make sense. Now, see, the iPhone did not change everything, just like all the other revolutionary computer-related innovations. Just scratch the surface, and you'll find out that the revolution—a word which we now tend to use liberally to discount uh, any technological development—reflects a mostly forgotten or ignored specific development in the past, while providing a soothing sense of moving forward. Indeed. The first sense of the word revolution in the Oxford English Dictionary is the action or fact on the part of celestial bodies of moving around in an orbit or circular course, or simply the return or recurrence of a point over a period of time. The iPhone represents the zenith of the most recent stage in the evolution of digitization, the conversion of all media into ones and zeros that can be processed by a computer and a significant reduction in activities that did not create a temporary or permanent presence of data records the iphone has and been continues to be the great facilitator the device that allows anyone with a smartphone to participate in the era of digitization but we're no longer seeing such kind of developments from apple because they've become a heavily service based company now We've seen dozens of innovations when it comes to services, but when it comes to product, heck, we don't even get a new design for the devices now. Although we have been talking about the infamous AR VR fiasco, which we hope sometime in 2023 will give us a little more clarity, and Apple Car, which is going to come by 2030, so it's still a long, long way to go. What is your thought process behind Apple's? Uh, Transition from being a hardware product-based company or a revolutionary company to being a more calculated, safe, risk-free company and focusing on selling services for majority of its revenue. Have you noticed this change? What are your thoughts about it? Do let us know by connecting to us on our social media channels. We are available everywhere as iGeeks Blog. I've added the links in the description. And if you want to connect with me, you can just hit me up on Instagram. I'm available as Hashanki with an extra I. That's all from my side. I'm gonna see you guys next week with more exciting content, probably testing a gadget and lots of more things. So stay tuned and keep listening to the iGeeks Blog Show. This is Hashanki signing off. Sayonara.